So, great big good morning to everyone. Great to have you here today. I'm Senior Pastor Chuck Blair of New Church Live, and it's wonderful to be able to share with you today a really special service. And, and whether you're joining us live as part of our studio audience or you're joining us online across the country, we're so excited to have you here because we have something really important to talk about today. And that's the idea of beauty and what is real. And, and this era we're living in is one where social media has changed things so much. And, and it makes it even more important to us to go back to kind of a first things first and to really understand what beauty is, what reality is, how all those things come together. So with that, friends, what I want to share with you is just, just the Bible passage we're going to be looking at, and then we're going to be, be diving, doing a deeper dive. And the Bible passage is this, consider, consider this, or behold, how the wildflowers grow, they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was arrayed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? We're going to look at that in some depth. And today's service, you know, every service kind of has a different feel to it. And today is, is a little bit of a stone soup service. We're going to be throwing a lot of different pieces in. We're going to actually be doing an interview here at the end trying to really get to what God might be telling us about this concept of beauty. So with that, I want to get started over here. It's interesting in life, right, we, we, we look at what reality is and, and we think about what actually is real and what matters and what lasts. And we live in a world that, that believes deeply or, or focuses deeply on, on the objective truth. Yet there's really two kinds of truths. There's a narrative truth and there's an objective truth. Now, now, the objective truth looks at this and it says, this is a chair. This is a chair. This is a chair. We know it's a chair, space and time, et cetera, et cetera. But is that the only kind of truth there is? Or are there truths that are actually far deeper, far more significant, and far more meaningful to our lives? Narrative truth, stories. I, I pulled one of my favorite poems, and it's, it's a poem called The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. And it ends with this beautiful line, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. A beautiful line, that has made all the difference. Now, does Robert Frost actually, did he actually write this poem as he's on a road and there's two roads in a woods and he takes one? And, 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 you know, we don't know. And, it, and in a sense, it doesn't even really matter because this is about a poetic truth. This is about a narrative truth. This is about what is actually the most real thing to us, which are our stories about life, our, our stories about each other. Objective truth, there's nothing wrong with that, but we can't just get caught and believe that is the only reality there is. If that's the only reality there is, our lives will always be about just making a better chair. And if we can hold a greater reality, a greater reality of a narrative reality, a spiritual reality, all of a sudden our task becomes about meaning becomes about a call, becomes about making a difference out there in the world, it becomes about connection. All these things well outside of space and time that mean so much. 
And what do we start to see there? Well, I, I think we start to see, instead of seeing from the outside in, we start to see from the inside out. And we're going to be connecting that with beauty. Because this question of reality and social media is so incredibly significant. Take a look at this New Yorker cartoon here. Somebody runs a marathon. If you run a marathon in a forest and there's no one around to social media about it, did you really run a marathon? <laughs> I like that. Because it's true, right? We, we get caught up that somehow if it didn't happen on social media, it did not happen. I want to assure you folks that is not true. And how is it that we can then, we can then look at this and, and really try to see, see it in its, in its depth? I mean, I think today's service is really important. I think it's, it's interesting watching, and I, you know, I hear this in conversation where people look at social media and it's easy to just look at it and just say, well, that's the way it is. But not necessarily. Maybe there's better choices we can make. Better choices that will help especially our young adults to help them understand better what beauty is, to appreciate more and more what true beauty actually is. To understand a different kind of reality. So today, friends, what do we want to do is we want to start with this question here. And the question is this, what is, quote unquote, beauty on social media? What is beauty on social media? Not the real beauty, that's what we're going to be talking about, or, or as, as Manuel Swedenborg you know, lovingly puts together, he said, you know, beauty and thoughtfulness, those are the two that go together. It's what is it just on the surface level of social media? And what I would love for you to do is to text me in a note and say, yeah, this is what beauty is on social media. Or you can as well put that in the chat on one of the platforms where we're streaming today's service. So as the musicians play our next song, just take a second, shoot me a little text with that answer. When we come back out, we're going to talk about how that all works. And maybe, maybe this, maybe can we find a better definition of what beauty actually is.
Thank you. So, folks, lots of great answers there, and, and it's, it's fun to read because some people uh, wrote very beautiful things, like how, how, the, how the Internet gives us this ability to share inspiration, how it gives us this ability to share connection, how it gives us this ability to, to sort of be with each other in times that are really challenging. All good stuff. And that good part is important to acknowledge because... Because that is part of it. I mean, this church would not exist, frankly, if it wasn't for social media. I mean, that's by far, that's what gives us our reach. That's what makes us, in a very small way, a national church. And again, I mean, in a very small way, a national church. And some other people shared the darker side of that. Now here, I, I copied down the darker side of it. These ones were kind of interesting. Uh, you know, the darker side, that, that its beauty is measured in the number of likes. Number of friends, fun. It's like when I see pictures of people's family vacations and they're all smiling in every single picture, I'm thinking, that's not true. That's not how that works. At least in our family. Everybody's thin. This one made me giggle. Good hair. And a couple other beautiful ones. Perceived perfection. Isn't that interesting? Perceived perfection. Notice how that fits in with this one, the right filter. Right filter. Now, now again, that's, that's not to disparage social media because lots of people commented about how good and positive it is. And it has many of those things. Like the ability to connect these days is just so different. And sometimes those connections can feel very rich and full. I, I know, uh, you know, for me as a pastor, we have these great conversations in small groups that are, that are mostly online these days. And yet there's also this dark side. And, and I think it's important to understand with this dark side, these, these beautiful words here from Brene Brown. And Brene Brown talking about this. And if, if we think of this as like the image... Right? This is what it's got to be. And Brene Brown writes, she says this. She says, in this social media age, on the negative side of the ledger, we have to have conformity and competition. So we both have to be exactly conforming to a certain image. And then there's a competitive angle, too, as well. 
We have to fit in and stand out. I like that one. We have to be like everyone else, but better. That, that's, that's such a different view, right? So it means that this creates a bar, sort of, to speak. You know, a bar. And, and we not only have to reach the bar, we have to excel beyond it. We have to go one step more. Or, or we feel like something is quote-unquote wrong. I mean, even folks, I, 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 think for, I think for myself, right? Like even, even with looking at other churches, like I'll look at another church and I'll think, holy cow, they had more views than I did this Sunday. Like that matters, <laughs> you know? But it matters at least to part of me. And it's not always the good part. How is it then in life that we can, we can just be aware, yeah, there is this pressure to just be like everyone else, only better, and to understand that, that impacts a lot of the young adults in our lives and, and impacts them in ways that are not necessarily healthy. Because it means that there is, there is constantly this comparison trap that's happening. As well as some other things. Some other things that are deeply, deeply challenging. Now, I say this with a little bit of humor. Uh, when, when our kids were little, and our kids are all much older now, I used to do a wicked Swedish chef Muppets imitation. And if you invite me over sometime, I will do one for your family. I, you know what, I'm not going to do one here. So, so as I say these words, I keep on thinking, yeah, how would the Swedish chef say these words? Because I can't pronounce these words. But there, there are a couple of words in German here that, that point to, again, how, how the, the, the downside of some of this can look. The first is this word, Schadenfreude. I hope I'm saying that right, Schadenfreude. Is that right? All right, well, whoever, it's close. You can see it up there. What does that mean, folks? Well, that's German for pleasure or joy for, derived from someone else's suffering. And boy, that's, that's a challenging one. Right? Because, because we can get into this comparison trap, and when someone else has a challenge, we can actually somehow celebrate that. And it may, I don't, I don't see it happening necessarily uh, in public, you know, people going like, I am so glad you had a bad day. You know, that doesn't happen. But it certainly can happen between our ears that we actually feel this, this little jolt of like, yeah, they got theirs. Life isn't always so perfect, is it? Not a terribly good place to be. I think one way to look at it, folks, and this was one when I was doing this sermon, I was thinking, oh boy, I gotta work on this. What mean and critical thing am I rehearsing to say to myself, another person, or group? How many of you have those kind of rehearsals going on all the time? <laughs> I get them all the time. You know, I just, I just am going to tell them. You know, and this is what I'm going to tell them. And I, I have this long oration around it. And we can do the same thing with ourselves. Right? Those voices every morning that we, I struggle with this a lot, those voices every morning that we rehearse. And I always find it interesting that some people manage not to rehearse those voices. That's more a miracle to me than anything else. But we do rehearse them about ourselves, 
We rehearse them about conversations we're going to have with family. We rehearse them about conversations we're going to have in community or professional organizations or work situations. We, we have them in just these bigger pictures all the time. It's not a good rehearsal. <laughs> it's just not a good rehearsal. It's interesting, folks. Like There, there are many kind of fun things about a, a new church perspective. And, and one of the ones that I, I find fascinating, which I've mentioned in here before, but it's so significant, is where Emmanuel Swedenborg says, look, when we step into that place, what we are practicing is the pleasure of insanity. The pleasure of insanity. That it's insane to have those, those rehearsals going on. And it's interesting because Jesus even warns us about this. Jesus says, like, look, don't practice what you're going to say. Just trust that God will give you the words when the time comes, if there's something hard to say. And the pleasure of insanity, so much of it is, is understanding that, of course, we get these thoughts. And, and, you know, as one friend constantly reminds me, he said, you know, the, the trick is this. The trick is how do we get rid of the pleasure around that? It's a really tough question to ask yourself. It's a tough question for me to ask myself. Because those thoughts can feel so miserable. But then if they really were truly miserable, why do we keep on rehearsing them? And it makes it very hard to actually be with other people. To actually connect with them at a human level. Versus just off of some imaginary script in our head. There's work there, and there's, there's also an incredible way of that, 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 that Jesus says, like, hey, and, and you can see this differently. We can understand beauty far differently. And I want to give you a perspective on that, that that really struck me this year. Now, before I share this, this line of Scripture with you, you know, I, I think it's important to remember, and it's, it's the joy in reading the Bible, the Bible's filled with lots of stuff that's hard to read, and, and it's filled with lots of stuff that's absolutely beautiful to read. And this is one of those real beautiful passages that people quote all the time. And it's an interesting one because uh, it's not a one we've preached on a lot in here because it's so well known. And yet it was interesting looking back on it for today's service and just realizing that old saying like, oh, yeah. Old Indian saying, which I love this. We never step in the same river twice. And I, I find maybe that's a mark of true revelation. Is it will mean different things at different times in different ways to you. And this passage in, in, in getting ready for today just leapt out like this, this one word. And you'll see it's the very first word in this passage. And let me read it for you. Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? How would I read that? How would I, how would I offer maybe a, a perspective on that? I think, here's Jesus, and it's interesting. We could, we could look at that, like, before looking at this passage, I'd always sort of seen it as God saying, look, just totally trust. It's a, it's a trust passage, which is good. That's, that's fair. 
And there's also an element here of faith. Faith and trust kind of going together. So here's Jesus saying, like, like, you know, you look at the flowers of the field. We brought in some flowers for today's service. You look at the flowers of the field, and here's Jesus going like, look at this stuff. Look how beautiful this is. And look, look at the job God's done with this. I mean, this is kind of crazy, right? I mean, really, look at it. It's kind of crazy. The beauty of this stuff. And then here's, here's God saying, like, this is so incredibly beautiful. And, and these flowers didn't work to be flowers. All they did was they allowed themselves to bloom. Even then, allowed's probably a really bad way to phrase that. They just bloomed. And here's Jesus saying, you're more beautiful than this. And if I took care of this, I am taking care of you. And I think he smiles the whole way through that. If I took care of this, in all its beauty, I'm taking care of you. When we look at that, folks, it's such a different way to, to see faith. Because I, I find that word is, is so fascinating, like consider, that first word there, consider. And I think maybe this. It's about beholding beauty. And that's where we find true faith. It's about beholding beauty, and that's where we find true faith. Notice what I said. It's not about chasing beauty. Because that, that chase is almost endless. A conversation, and it's not one I'm going to have you text me because it's not a great conversation. It's just in our minds. All of us in here have a physical feature that we wish we did not have. All of us do. And that physical feature is, to this day, it's something, at least for me, that, that can be very embarrassing. And we try to hide it. Think of these words. Like, behold the beauty. Don't chase it. Like, behold the beauty. So what does it mean when we lean towards that beholding the beauty? I just, you know, folks, I just, I just see it over and over and over again. You know, some, some parts are, are sort of just humorous, right? So on Mondays, on my Sabbath, as you've heard 500 times, you know, I like to go to auctions because it's anonymous and I'm just there to have fun. And, and I went to this auction last week and it was a big crowd and there was a couple and there was this thing they really, really wanted and it was such a large crowd they had split up but obviously they had agreed that they were gonna buy this thing. And when you auction, like it's fun, some people just nod, some people hold up a card or whatever and they're auctioning off this thing and the price keeps on climbing and climbing and climbing. And then the auctioneer looks out and he looks over to this side of the room. Everybody's standing, very crowded, looks over to this side of the room, very crowded, everybody's standing. And he goes, wait a minute, 
you two are together. The husband and wife had been bidding against each other. I love that, right? Like, in a weird way, that's beholding beauty. And everybody laughed and smiled, and the bidding started again, and they won. There's beauty, too, when we come to issues around the end of life. We had an interment here at New Church Live a few days ago for a woman by the name of Amity. And I always allow when we do an interment for the family to just offer a word or two, you know, and this is before the memorial service off it, depending on the tradition. And as we're offering a word or two, Amity's nephew says, yeah, I just want to offer this. She was always so interested in what I was doing. I love that. Behold the beauty. Consider the lilies. And folks, when we start to see that, when we start to see beauty, and I mean beauty with a capital B, it starts to change, I think, our whole definition of faith. Because it's moving away from chasing it. It's moving away from that and moving into what is. It's moving into observing it. The very beauty of life. That's such a different piece, right? I hope for any of you, especially the young adults watching this service, that that resonates on your heart. Because the chasing beauty game never ends. And it rarely ends well. That's been true for all time. If you don't believe me, read Snow White. <laughs> And folks, with that, like how is it that we might be able to behold beauty? And this is where we go to a stone soup approach. Just some different ways, some different ideas. I was talking to, to a dear friend, and they said the way they try to do it with their grandchildren, actually, is they try to use this question, what do you love doing? What do you love doing? Now, imagine this, and I know we have some parents who are very involved with dance. Imagine this picture, folks. Imagine this picture. And this picture of ballet. With this picture of ballet, imagine being a parent, watching your kid, and, and there's no, you can be the most craven uh, the most shut down, the most whatever person. And if you watch little kids do ballet, you're going to laugh. You're going to smile. Why is that? It's because, it's because I, think, I think we're beholding beauty there. We're beholding beauty. And imagine this question being part of that, folks. Like, what do you love doing? And you're watching your child do ballet. You know, our three girls all did that. And we watch them dance, and we just say, yeah, it's beautiful watching you dance, watching you do what you love to do. Incredible power in that. 
it's no longer, again, this, this, this chasing beauty. Like chasing beauty, that's about laboring and spinning, as, as God said in terms of the lilies of the field. It's just about enjoying it. Seeing it for what it is. Where was that for you this week? Where did you see beauty? Where did you just go, oh, that's it. And imagine for a minute, you know, seeing Jesus' face and Jesus going with a smile, that's faith. That's faith when we can look at the world that way. And it creates such a wildly different way of seeing the world. And, and the, the, uh, the funny German word if, word, if we could flip back to it, this is just to give us a second little German lesson, is Freudenfreud. I think that's the right way to say that. The enjoyment of another person's success. Very different than enjoyment of their failure. That's where we create a righteous cycle. That's where we create something that can continue to reinforce itself. Now, as, as the musicians come out, really think about that for yourself. Think about what does it look like to behold beauty, to celebrate beauty. And then when we come back after this song and a video, what I want to do is I want to interview a couple of people just about this, just to give us some more ideas, some stone soup ideas, as it were. So we can just hear more and more, yeah, what does it look like to truly, to truly behold what's beautiful in our lives? Try, try, try. 
was a really good video. Give that video a round of applause. Yeah, folks, lots, lots of beautiful things happening. It was, it was beautiful as well, just, just hearing folks talk. And it's, it's really such, yeah, like beholding beauty. And I and, uh, got some beautiful text messages backstage. Um, I find beauty in the heartfelt, vulnerable post that allows me to relate to them. Uh, beauty is the support people give each other. Uh, beauty on social media always involves kindness, compassion, humility, and innocent awareness of what's real. And, and you know, that, that bad, right? And, and where we can share and where we can just behold beauty. You know, maybe that's why, I don't know, maybe that's why we do this, right? Maybe just for an hour a week, we just, we just come in together and we join online, we join from all over, and we just say, this is beautiful. Not scripted, not perfect, you know, none of that. But we just say, this is beautiful. This is real beauty. It seems a lot healthier place to be. So, with that, I have two dear friends who are now going to be joining us here for a little, a little interview, a little conversation around beauty, how beauty looks, how beauty works, and, and how they might hold it. So please warmly welcome Allie and Emily to the stage. Yes, grab the, grab, the, grab the microphone. See, we're not trying to be perfect. It's all good. All right, thank you guys for joining us. So you guys just want to say a quick hello first to get us started here? Okay. Hello, I'm Allie, again. <laughs> <laughs> Good to have you here, Allie. Here by default. Um, great. I'm, I'm wonderful this morning. Good. Thank you for asking. Yeah, how are you? Good morning. I'm Emily. Emily. Emily, now you said, <laughs> you told me a funny story before when I asked you last minute, you know, to, 
talk about beauty. And maybe you could just share that so we all can have a little laugh because I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, you asked if I would do this this morning and I said, sure. And then seconds later, I'm like, I wish I wore a better outfit. I wish I'd put on any makeup, which is just hilarious because it's that's right. the whole point. Right? It's the whole point. Not it's to, the whole point. Yeah. It's the whole point. So Allie, as, as you're hearing what we, what we said there as we started, what were some thoughts like in your own mind, you know, as a wonderful mom with daughters and, and what, what does your mind start to turn around with, with this whole concept of beauty? Wow. Yeah, you put a baby girl in your arms mm. <laughs> and call her yours mm. and beauty changes. Mm. I'm going to probably tear up because so much of teenage years, and if there's any teenagers listening, I mean, it's like the outside world, like, how do I... How do I fit into this? Where do I belong? You know, those are the first, those are questions. And then you have, you have kids and, you know, you want them to learn to belong to themselves yeah. and um, really feel comfortable in their own skin. Because those are the people, as I grow older, that I feel more attracted to, are the people who are really in their own skin and really comfortable with who they are regardless of what they're wearing. And I struggled with the same thing this morning. I was like, what do I, what do I wear? Like, should I just wear a paper bag and no makeup? And like, you know, like, what does it, you know, what is really here? So, yeah. yeah. That's beautiful, Allie. Well said. And what about you? When, when you're hearing those thoughts on beauty, what kind of starts going through your head and your heart? Yeah, it's interesting, because I'm on stage yeah. for a living and there can be a lot of pressure. I mean, I've been told, I think of a story from years ago, Ethan and I and our band, we used to perform on cruise ships and um, got feedback from my boss one time to wear more makeup, which was really hard to hear because I, I am just like kind of a dressed down sort of person. And um, I think, you know, it's so important to, like you said, feel comfortable in your skin and to yeah. do what feels good to you. So. Yeah. I mean, you guys see me every Sunday singing, and I don't have any makeup on typically. And I really just try to do what feels right to me. Like, sometimes yeah. I do want to get all dolled up, and, but it's, it's for me. Yeah. It's not really for anyone else. Like, yeah. um, you know, I know people who love to get, like, they express themselves through their hair. Or, you know, <laughs> or blue hair. I know people with amazing color hair, you know, green hair, blue hair, um, lots of crazy makeup and outfits. And I think yeah. that's beautiful, too. And yeah. that's a way to express yourself. Um, but if you can find, like for me, singing is how I express mm. myself and find my own beauty. So, oh. yeah. And, and I loved, I loved, I'm going to ask you the question and come back to that because I love how you started right with how attractive it is when we're around people who are just comfortable in their own skin. And you two have that in spades, by the way. And I realize right now, if you're like most people in your head, you're going like, Chuck, if you only knew, right? <laughs> um, but like, how do you know when someone's there, right? Because there are teenagers. There's, there's teenagers here today who've joined our studio audience. And just like any good teenagers, they're sitting in the back of the bus, so to speak. And, and uh, you know, and teenagers will be watching this. Like, that whole, one of the things that strikes me, right, like we, we want to be ourselves, and we know that's what's attractive, but it doesn't yield to efforting. You know, in other words, like, some of the hardest people to be around are people who are trying really hard to be themselves, if that makes sense. 
And what would you offer to people gently that way of like, yeah, you know, this, this might be a way to just think about being yourself and having shalom, having peace, having, having grace, just having calm as part of that whole, that whole endeavor. Yeah, I would say it, it's, it's really hard. I don't think it's easy to, to find that, but the more that we can focus on self-compassion and, and being kind to ourselves, it gets oh, a little beautiful. better. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Beautiful. Thanks, that's beautiful. And by the way, you, you are the, so beautiful singing. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I see yeah. you and your love of it. Yeah. Um, oh gosh, I mean, once I ran into this man coming out of the library with my oldest, who was like four at the time, and um, he was in a white linen shirt and jeans, and I just, he, what he, he was talking to me, I swear he was an angel, but mm. he was an old man, and he's like, how can I help you today? And I told him some troubles, and um, he said, what did Jesus say? And I was like, I don't know what Jesus said. He's like, you Christian women, <laughs> You're a Christian, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, Jesus said, um, the truth will set you free. Mm. And what blew, he said, if you can't tell anyone the truth, you look yourself in the mirror and tell yourself the truth. Mm. And I feel like any time I'm not feeling comfortable is to actually just start with what's true. Mm. What's true is I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, I want point. to impress these people yeah. or I want to come across as I have it all together or whatever, you know, that's okay. And, and, and to further what you said is just to be kind to yourself in those truths that are hard to admit. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Em, did you want to add anything more to that? Okay. Yeah, and I love, I love that idea of like kindness and compassion and, and, yeah, and how that, that will actually fit into what we're going to talk about here in a sec. So what I want to close on with this is, is you know, I know that, I, mean, I know you're not, you don't have any kids yet, and, and I know you got a lot of kids, and so different phases of life, right? And I want you to picture your granddaughter right here. Okay? Your granddaughter. All right? Your granddaughter walks up to you, and she says, Grammy, or grandma, or nana, or however you do, however you say it. What's beauty? What do you want to, and if you want to just bust into song with this. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and what would, you, what would you say? Well, the last song we're going to do today is, is a lot of, about this, I would think. Um, I would say, you are beautiful. You're beautiful. You're resilient. Now I'm just quoting the song, which is cheating, but the song we're going to do by India Ari. Um, you are powerful. It's more affirmations, like all of that is beauty. Beautiful. And I would also, I like that you mentioned it, talking to a grandchild, but um, I could also say that I would picture myself too as a young person. A lot of the work that I've been doing on myself lately is like kind of younger parts work with like, speaking to myself as a younger person and trying to just extend loving kindness. So, oh, that's it. yeah. That's beautiful, uh -huh. Emily. Beautiful. Thank you. I don't think I can talk. I can't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> the end. The end. Um, I should ask you. 
Yeah. So we wanted to turn the mic on you. Oh, actually, did you? Oh, my goodness. Because you have a little bit more experience on this. Oh. We were conspiring backstage that actually one thing we're missing up here is a man. <laughs> because, you know, really. Yeah. We're going to use a quote from a dad here in a minute. Yeah. But you're a dad and yeah. you're a grandfather. Yeah. So yeah. what would you say to your granddaughter? Oh, my goodness. This is totally unfair. Just so you know. <laughs> uh, But say I have two dear friends, Allie and Emily, and they somehow have learned to live in their own skin, just as your beautiful grandmother has. And God's made you perfectly. God will always be with you. You've just got to learn to behold the beauty that is you, live it as best you can, and you'll know that by joy. When you sense that joy, you're going to sense beauty. And if God is anything, God is beauty and God is joy. There's my sermonette. <laughs> Thank you guys very much. So, thank you guys for sharing that. That was, that was really powerful. And, and, and I want to close with, with these words, because again, folks, I, I think so much, we just want to honor the fact that, that you know stuff. I mean, I, it's one of, my, one of my little pet peeves is people sometimes will come to a pastor as if the pastor's like the, a brain surgeon and is the expert. And we're not. We're just as messed up as all of you. And... <laughs> And the idea that we're just in this journey together and can we share those voices, that's what really matters. And so I wanted to close with this. I wanted to close with a voice from a mom, with a voice from a dad, and then with the voice of God. So a note we got in our survey from a mom, this is from Betty, something I just read with, which, which I think sums it up beautifully. Beauty is everything to do with your soul. It's your kindness, the way you treat people, your humbleness, the softness of your heart, and the delicacy of your speech. It has everything to do with the goodness that you do and the purity of your intentions behind them. It has everything to do with your manners, the way you treat your loved ones and mere strangers. The beauty of your soul always shines through. It's always felt by the ones around you. If you are seeking beauty, seek it within yourself. Work on your being internally, because that is what matters most. External beauty fades with time, but internal beauty lasts a lifetime and is down into the memories of those who have felt the beauty of your soul. Thank you for that, Betty. And this is actually from an old lacrosse buddy back in college days, from Wayne. There are levels of beauty. He's writing this from down in Florida. That is the world we live in. Areas that have natural beauty, the Penny Pack, Colorado Mountains, California Grape Country, lakes, etc. Then there is the true beauty of souls, kindness to each other, caring for, another, caring for one another when life sets up a barrier. You can see things on social media of people doing extreme things to help others in need, sending supplies overseas to Ukraine, helping at shelters. We as a community do this without a single thought people we haven't seen in years whose loved ones are sick or have died, offering up thoughts and prayers. I wish there were more people caring about others. Kind of feels like a society we've become selfish. In that line, I wish there were more people caring about others. I hear that as just the call to make the world more beautiful. 
Can we find that beauty? Can we become a practice of that beauty, of beholding it? As it said in Isaiah 61, Bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. In other words, friends, they will become something to behold. They will become beauty. Amen. What we're going to do now to close the service is I'm going to offer a prayer. And then after the prayer, you'll hear the Our Father prayer and a blessing. And then we'll have a moment just for quiet reflection as we get ready for our last song. So please join me in prayer. Lord, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for the ability we have to think about beauty. To think about how beauty looks, to think about how beauty works, to think about how beauty can become something that's so integral to our lives. A beauty of thoughtfulness, a beauty of kindness, a beauty of compassion, a place where we're not chasing beauty, but where we're beholding beauty. A place where we see beauty, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. Help us, Lord, to be in that place. Help us to live in this beautiful world. Hear our prayer. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and bring you peace and bring you home. Amen.
so much y'all have a wonderful week see you soon